Welcome to the Health Science Coach Podcast. My name is Drew Garner. I am a health science and physical education teacher here at Turner High School. My objective is to provide information to students about different healthcare careers and explain how these professionals got to where they are in their careers. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's dig in. Today we have the pleasure of meeting Ashley Berry. She is a doctoral student and an instructor in respiratory therapy at the University of Kansas Medical Center. Ashley, how are you doing today? Good, how about you? I'm doing well. You know, I've, I've been pretty excited to talk with a respiratory therapist, um, and you also happen to be an instructor at KU, so that's the both sides, and it'll be pretty cool to, to kind of hear the definitions and explanations of, of what you do. Um, what is a respiratory therapist, and you know, what, what are some of the things you guys do on a, a daily uh, basis? Right, so I'll talk more clinically in terms of respiratory therapy because that's what people tend to think of, but a respiratory therapist is really a cardiopulmonary specialist. So training is really similar to that of nursing. Um, typically students go through two to four years and then they go into the workforce. Um, and we deal with patients who have cardiopulmonary illnesses, so things like COPD. Um, we also deal with a lot of patients that people don't really think of. So anybody that's been in the trauma, um, any kind of rapid response or code blue, um, anybody who really can't manage their airway, so sometimes that's neuromuscular disease. So we see all of those patients when they come into the hospital, we assess them, um, we can help with the diagnosis and testing, and then we come up with a treatment plan, and then we proceed to actually do that treatment plan. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, so what are some of the, like, if, if I walked into a hospital and followed a, a respiratory therapist around for a day, what does that kind of day look like? All right, so typically, depending on the size of the hospital, you would come in and go to your department. So we're a little bit different from nursing in that you don't get assigned to a specific area that you stay in. So you would come and find out your area and your patient population for the day, go there, and then you would assess your patients. So you have a patient list that's anywhere from five to 30 patients, depending on what it is you need to do with them for the day. Um, you go in, assess them, do your therapy, um, and then kind of keep assessing them throughout the day. Depending on what area you have, you might also be part of the rapid response team or the code blue team. So that's kind of an addition to a normal workload. So you would then go to any of those that occur throughout the hospital. Okay. Um, so when you're talking about giving uh, therapy to your patients, what are some of the things that uh, you would be doing with them? Right. So um, after you do just a standard assessment. We do a couple different things. Some is mucociliary clearance or mucus clearance techniques. So if patients are retaining mucus and they're not able to either cough effectively or the secretions are too thick to come up, we'll kind of figure out how to do that. So there's a couple different things. Some are like the vest or the percussor. Some are a little more old school, like actually physically clapping a patient. You don't see that as often anymore, but it does still happen. Um, lung expansion is also a really big thing. So if a patient is bedridden, they're not getting up as often. So there are areas of the lungs that might collapse from inactivity. So we call that atelectasis. So we assess and treat that. So we might have them do a couple breathing exercises with us, use some equipment that are meant to kind of help inflate their lungs and make them take a deep breath. Um, those are some of the really big things we do. We also provide medications. So we determine the best mode to deliver medication, and sometimes that's an inhaler or a nebulizer, um, and we'll provide that and do the assessment as the medication is going. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially with the 
<clears throat> nebulizer and the inhalant type stuff. Um, I remember going in and uh, our daughter had um, something going on in her lungs uh, when she was little or breathing issue. And I remember them putting that mask on her and having her kind of <clears throat> breathe through it. And uh, it was it was pretty interesting seeing, you know, the, the difference between a, an adult using something like that versus a kid where they don't really comprehend what's going on quite yet. Um, in your in your time at uh, University of Kansas Health Systems, what population did you typically work with age-wise? So I am definitely an adult person. Um, yeah. I like to work with adult populations because they can kind of communicate with me. I know some people really like to work with kids. Um, I don't like to be the bad guy. <laughs> and kids always think you're the bad guy in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you went to KU uh, for your undergraduate in respiratory care. Uh, what did that program kind of look like in, in terms of, of years and classes? Right. So um, we're a two plus two program. So that means that students do two years of prerequisite work and then they do two years in our program. So curriculum is posted on our website and it tends to be pretty streamlined. Students come in and they'll take cardiopulmonary anatomy and physiology with us, pathophysiology, pharmacology, a couple other basic classes. And then once they get into their second semester, they start clinical work. So it's five total semesters with us that they'll go through. Gotcha. Um, and that kind of prepares them to go out into the workforce. Right. Um, <clears throat> so then after that, you got your master's also at KU uh, in public health. What kind of, how did you kind of choose KU as your, your go-to programs uh, for your degrees? Right. So some of that was actually just a matter of convenience. Um, I chose it for my undergrad because they are the only school that does a bachelor's of respiratory care, and I knew I wanted a bachelor's. Um, as far as my master's went, I worked full time at the hospital while going for my master's, and I knew I wanted something in person and not online. So that kind of limited my physical area for where I was going to go. Um, but I was really drawn to public health just because it allows you to look at things from a community perspective and not just an individual perspective. And KU happens to have a really good public health program. So um, that's why I ended up choosing them. That's pretty cool. Um, so now you're also working on your PhD. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you got into, uh, well, also at KU, um, your, your program for your PhD. All right, so um, application process or maybe decision-making for why I chose that one? Yeah, both. Both of them? Okay, so graduate school applications are a totally different playing fields than um, I feel like any other kind of application. It's really based on, I don't want to say extracurriculars, but what have you done besides just academic work? You know, um, what kind of research have you done? How did you contribute to that? Do you understand research? Um, are you willing to go to school for four to five years with minimal pay and lots of hours? So it's, the application is a little bit different and it's really focused on like the interview and your personal statement and more of a CV than a resume really. Um, as far as why I chose it, I think rehabilitation science pairs really well with respiratory therapy. The majority of our patient population, um, they are elderly. Um, or there's somebody who might be younger, but they will continue to have this respiratory issue for the rest of their lives. So most respiratory issues tend to be chronic. And I think a lot of people think 
when they see rehabilitation science, they think physical therapy, but it's actually more just living with a chronic condition. So what can we do to increase quality of life? What therapies are out there? What drugs? Things like that. So I thought that it paired really nicely. So is that maybe something like uh, asthma or, um, you know, a, a kid that maybe grow up around somebody that smoked, that it deals with respiratory issues, chronic for the rest of their life? Yeah, asthma is actually a huge population in rehabilitation science just because so many people are affected by it and it's a chronic condition. Nobody ever actually outgrows it, even if they say they have childhood asthma. So um, that oh. is a really big population there. Okay. Um, so what are some techniques or things that you do with, like, let's just take asthma for, for instance, since there's a big, such a big population. Um, what does a rehabilitation look like for somebody with asthma? Right. So um, when we say rehabilitation, really what we're meaning is how do you live the life that you want to live with the disease that you have? So not necessarily how do we rehabilitate you out of this disease, but how do we make it livable for you? So um, for a lot of people, what that means is just better management techniques. So there is kind of a stepwise approach that we take to asthma. So we'll look at a patient and we'll look at the number of exacerbations they're having, um, how frequently they need to use their inhaler, and we'll kind of help determine what inhaler technique would be best for them, what kinds of medication, what dosage they need. Um, patient education is a really big one for asthma, and that definitely falls in rehabilitation science just because we know how to manage asthma, um, but there's a lot of misinformation out there for people. So they don't know how to manage it themselves or they've been given inappropriate information. So kind of education techniques, how to use things like an asthma action plan, actual appropriate inhaler technique is a really big one. A lot of people use it the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so things like that fall into it and just kind of how to increase access. So telehealth is really big right now. That's a really big one that they're looking into. Um, how to use things like a peak flow meter to monitor your asthma remotely so you know when to see a healthcare provider. Um, and then being able to attend actual exercise programs remotely. It's kind of being evaluated with that now. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think that's a, one of the, you know, just telehealth in general is a really big trending thing in healthcare profession right now. And uh, a lot of the things that you know, you're able to get through that uh, remote access. You can talk to <clears throat> professionals from all over the place about what's going on, kind of like what we're doing today. Um, so how did you get in, like, excited about wanting to be a respiratory therapist? Like when you were in, in college um, or in high school, how did you kind of walk go down that path? All right. So I came from a really small high school, so I didn't really know anything about healthcare. I think when you're from a small high school, sometimes it's um, you want to go into healthcare, so your choices are nurse or doctor, and that's all you know. So I selected a really generic biology degree when I started to go to college. Um, and about three days before I actually went to college, my dad was hospitalized and put on a ventilator, and I had absolutely no clue what was going on. So I was in the hospital for a really long time, kind of trying to figure things out. And I feel like the profession that really helped me the most was respiratory therapy. You know, I didn't really know what was going on. Obviously, I was still 17 and I was kind of scared. So they helped me really understand what was happening and how things were working and just kind of general progression. And so I ended up switching my major um, during my sophomore year of college and never looked back. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, just 
that why of getting into that profession is, is pretty cool. Um, what's something that you really love about your job as a respiratory therapist? So I love that we get to see the same patients a lot. Um, I really like, I don't want to say the customer service side, but getting to know people um, and being able to kind of work with them and educate them about their disease and just help them feel better. And as a respiratory therapist, because our patients have chronic conditions, you get to know them. So, you know, you'll come in for the day, you'll get your patient list, you'll skim down and certain names will pop out at you. And so as much as I prefer not to see them in the hospital, it is really nice to get to go into the room and have them say, oh, hey, Ashley, I'm glad you're my respiratory therapist for the day um, yeah. and kind of work with them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, being able to build that relationship and, you know, see them and help them grow through their their uh, their care and processes. Um, so what are some misconceptions that you might think are out there about respiratory therapy? Um, there's two big ones I can think of. One is that if you were in respiratory therapy, you will not get along with your nurse and they will not get along with you. And I don't know where I heard that rumor, how it got so big, it's all over the internet. And I think it's the funniest thing because if you talk to any nurse or any respiratory therapist, um, they always promote collaboration and working together and they're always like, I don't know what I would do without my nurse. I don't know what I would do without my respiratory therapist. So I, I don't know where that rumor got started, but that's a really big one. And I think the other one is that we are nurses that specialize in the respiratory system. I hear that one all the time. And I think that's just from people who don't really understand the difference in the education process and what we focus on. Um, you know, nurses get maybe one to two hours on ventilator management and in respiratory therapy, we have two whole classes dedicated to it in a lab just on ventilator management. So there is a difference in skill set. Um, it, it doesn't really cross over a lot. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. But, you know, like you said, being able to have that care team with you and being able to communicate and collaborate with other people on that team is a, is a big big thing in healthcare systems mm -hmm. uh, and having that available. Uh, what's something that you're most proud of professionally so far? Um, okay. So I, I'm really happy to be faculty at KU. Um, I think that's probably different than if I had stayed in the hospital. I might have something different at that point, but um, I really love education. I love the combination of kind of like didactic classroom education and hands-on learning. I feel like there's a lot of kind of instant gratification that comes from teaching somebody a, a practical hands-on skill and then some uh, long-term gratification from, you know, some of the more conceptual theory stuff. So being part of KU is something that I'm really proud of. This is obviously a school that I have been in for a really long time and I really do love KU. So that's kind of the thing that I'm most proud of, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's going from being a you know, undergraduate student to an instructor now within the same program is, is something that's pretty, pretty exciting. Um, do you have anything that you regret not doing professionally or maybe in uh, college earlier on? I think professionally, my biggest regret was not actually sitting on a committee in the hospital. So as 
each department kind of has its own clinical practices, best guidelines, um, you know, best practice that they implement. They look at new equipment, things like that. So after I started working, um, I went back to school full time after a year. So I did both full time, but my focus was taken up a lot with school. So I really regret not getting to sit on one of those committees because they do influence patient care in the hospital. And I would have really loved to experience that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be something that would be, you know, able to, that just that hands-on uh, care aspect of being able to be on the committee and see, help with the changes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, <clears throat> well, I guess this is a two-part question. As an instructor and a respiratory therapist, what are things that you need to do for professional development? So some of those are actually kind of similar, which is convenient for me. Um, (laughs) So things for professional development, really remaining active in the field. So professional organizations are really big. We have the National Board for Respiratory Care. We have the American Association for Respiratory Care. Remaining active in both of those is really big. Um, Making sure to do continuing education credits or units. So Kansas requires 12 per year. Um, But why set a cap? I feel like those are always really beneficial. (laughs) Don't stop at 12. Um, So those are both really big to maintain competencies. And then the other thing is really involvement in the community. I feel like that's something that gets overlooked quite a bit. People get tunnel vision and they just want to look at the profession. Um, but really being involved in the community makes you a better healthcare provider and also makes you a better instructor too. So doing both of those things is really important, I think. That makes a lot of sense, you know, being, being involved and, and getting those CEUs. Um, so your certificate, speaking of CEUs, your certification, you are a registered respiratory therapist, and then you have BLS, ACLS, and PALS. Um, let's talk a little bit about what those certifications are. Right. So those are all three kind of variations of the same certification, just at different levels. So BLS is basic life support, which actually um, anybody can get certified in, even high school students. Um, and we have some people come into our program that already have BLS. It's essentially CPR, but slightly elevated, so there's a little bit more to it. Um, ACLS is um, just advanced life support. Now that you do have to be in a healthcare profession to get. And then same with um, PALS. So that's just pediatric life support, an advanced life support version. So that's things like drugs and advanced airways and IV and IO access during a code. So um, those are those certifications. And you'll a lot of respiratory therapists have those. So BLS, everybody in the hospital has. Um, ACLS and PALS, respiratory therapists always have. And then anybody who's part of the rapid response or code team, they'll have those. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And then for your personal development, um, you were able to get the Masters of Public Health with Global Health Health Scholarship recipient. um, And you went on a medical trip to Ghana with uh, Charity Beyond Borders. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that experience and uh, your involvement with that. 
Yeah, so I'm always really pumped to talk about that trip. Um, I've actually gone twice. I've been in Ghana for two months total. So that trip was actually started by the director of our respiratory care department, Dr. Lisa Trujillo. So she started that when she was in Utah and faculty in that department and then moved it over to KU and now it's housed with us. So students can go on that trip. Um, we offer scholarships and things, but um, I really love that trip because we, so we go, we do provide free clinics, free healthcare clinics, some basic healthcare education um, for some of those communities. We kind of partner with a lot of the local clinics to find out what donations they need. Um, we bring CPR mannequins. So we teach CPR at the midwifery and the medical schools. And we also bring them to hospitals. Um, they know how to do CPR, but they don't have the same resources. They don't get to practice on mannequins. For them, most of the time, um, it's theory, and then it's real-life practice with right. a mannequin. So, so we kind of try to help them refine technique on a mannequin so they can apply that to an actual patient a little bit better. Um, and then we also do kind of some education sessions for the hospitals. So over, Lisa has been going, Dr. Trujillo has been going for over 10 years now. She's got some really good established connections. And so she'll contact the hospitals there and find out what, what topics they would, they would like education on basically. And then we'll put together seminars and do in-services for them. A lot of times that's, that's ventilator management. Um, yeah. Same thing with, you know, like the mannequins. They do have ventilators and things, but it tends to be donated ventilators, kind of a wide variety of different kinds, different modes. So they, they just kind of want somebody to go through each specific ventilator and the features and things like that. So I think it's a really valuable trip. I think that um, going on it, you get more out of it than you give, really. Right. So, I always uh, so with that, that trip specifically, is there... Um, is that only for respiratory therapy students or is that available for other students in other medical fields um, through KU and the uh, <clears throat> Charities Beyond Borders? Um, yeah, so that's available to everybody. We've had people who aren't even in a medical profession go um, because there are non-medical things that we do there. So respiratory therapy students, I feel like, tend to get the most out of it because we do also partner with a respiratory therapy school there. And we go to their school and kind of help them out for a little while. Um, but we've had medical students go, occupational therapy students. There's a lot of, when we go to the hospitals, we kind of divide a little bit. So if you were from a different profession, we'll find you somebody from that profession and you go with them. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's, I mean, being, like you said, being able to give back or get back more than you give to that type of scenario is pretty cool. Um, what are some career goals you have for yourself? You know, you're, you're working on your doctorate. Um, you just started that last, last year, I believe. Um, and you know, you have a master's and you've worked as a respiratory therapist for a couple of years. What do you have for your goals? Um, you know, five, 10 years from now, where, what kind of goals do you want to have? Right. So, um, I want to stay where I am. Um, but there's a lot, there's kind of a career ladder in place in the university. So right now, um, I just got notified, actually, I'm changing from an instructor to a clinical assistant professor. Um, and then there's two more kind of tiers above that. So I'd like to go for those eventually. But 
really my primary goal is to participate in research. Right now I do that as a graduate research assistant and also as faculty, but you can't really be the primary investigator on a project until you have a PhD. So I would really love to, once I get my PhD, kind of work on establishing my own lab so faculty can have a, like a dedicated space, um, dedicated research assistants, and kind of work on projects of interest to them. So I would really love to do that in the future. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, what are some some things that you're interested in studying like or researching? Um, so my research interests are actually really broad, especially because I'm so early in the PhD program. But I we talked about asthma already, but I really love the combination of telehealth rehabilitation and asthma. So right now um, they're looking at app management. So kind of having just a smartphone app that you can manage your asthma with. But the issue is right now there aren't any regulations. So there's a lot of crazy misinformation. There's they're not very user friendly. They're not, not very intuitive. So linking an app with kind of the electronic medical record, um, assessing feasibility, adapting user features, and then kind of working with that long term to reduce hospitalization frequency, ER visits, um, reducing the severity of asthma long term. That's kind of what I'm interested in right now. It shifts all the time, but that's kind of my <laughs> my long term interest. Yeah, that's pretty cool being able to, you know, like you said, that having that the user usability in apps, especially with healthcare, is very important, um, especially when someone's using it to manage their own uh, health information and being able to pair that with some sort of um, smart device or smartwatch to monitor uh, with that. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, so as an instructor, uh, and as a, you know, like you, we talked about right before you went into college, being able to, you know, kind of have that career path come to fruition of what you wanted to do. What's something that you wish you knew in high school or early on in college that would help you with your career now? Um, I feel like this applies more for early on in college. I kind of mentioned the tunnel vision. So I was one of those students that had tunnel vision. Um, I saw the profession that I wanted and I kind of just focused on classes. Um, I worked full time too, so focused on classes and then worked and then kind of just did like the standard, like standard thing to get into school. But I really regret not being more involved in different clubs or extracurriculars at that point. Um, that's actually something that we really encourage now in our applicants because it, it really creates a different kind of skill set people to bring we've had people who have come in we had somebody who was like a national weightlifter um we had somebody who had won a whole bunch of awards and beauty pageants and she was really kind of involved in that community and those sound like really weird things that aren't related to respiratory therapy at all and you're not wrong um but they kind of bring a unique skill set and so and a different kind of community perspective and so i really wish that i had maybe indulged in some of more of my hobbies or passions um, and stuck with those two. Yeah, so I was just going to say, you know, as an instructor, seeing kids that are coming into the programs now, you're able to, you know, see and give them advice on on what that kind of looks like. Um, so this is a three part question. Uh, 
advice for a high school student, advice for a college and undergraduate, and advice for a recent graduate looking for a job. So let's start off with a high school student that you know is is looking to get into um, respiratory therapy or thinks that that might be something that you're, they're interested in. Okay, advice for them. Um, if you can, shadow. Um, shadow respiratory therapist. Try to do it at more than one hospital because each department is different. So you want to get a feel for all of them. Um, if you can get a medical certification at this point, that's great. CNA, um, medical assistant, physical therapy assistant, any of those are really great. Um, they'll give you a really unique skill set and kind of it'll, it'll really help you in the program too. Um, for college students, definitely pursue other passions that you have. Keep doing that. Make sure that you're still volunteering. Um, a lot of people drop off from that in high school, so just keep up volunteer work. Um, so then the next part is the advice for a recent graduate looking for a job. So for them, I would really say this is kind of a okay. So it's it's really easy to get a job um, <laughs> because right now they there are not enough respiratory therapists, and even if we were not in the middle of a pandemic, there wasn't enough before this. So. Especially if you graduate with a bachelor's, um, every single bachelor's program has 100% placement prior to graduation um, of their students. So it's my advice would still be to attend, you know, professional resume workshops. Um, those are really important. Kind of work on that skill set. Um, right now, it's even before this, it, it is really easy to get a job, and so that one's kind of tough just because. Okay. Well, let's let's add to that then. Um, somebody that has a job and is new in the new, like a new graduate has a job. They're in their first, you know, month or two of uh, of work. Um, what are some things that they should be focusing on, like professionally, to help them with their career? Right. So, um, if you're new, definitely. I mean, keep up with your resume. Don't let it fall behind. You don't want to like have a lag and then you have to go back and update. Um, but then just maintaining kind of professional involvement. So we have a state organization that if you are involved with our national organization, it's immediate membership. Um, so that's really important, making sure to maintain your CEUs, keep track of those. Um, the national organization actually has a really great tool to do that. They keep track of it for you because you do have to provide proof that you're doing it. And nothing right. is worse than losing like a few years worth of CEUs and then being audited because then you have to make them up. So sure. keeping track of that and then just finding ways to get involved. Um, definitely let your department know right off the bat if there are opportunities that come up for research, for committees that you are interested because somebody is always doing research at the hospital, but they don't know you mm -hmm. want to be involved unless you tell them. So um, that's a really big one. I didn't know about that at first. Um, but if okay. you want to do that stuff, there are opportunities and physicians love to have respiratory therapists in any research that they're doing because we're already trained in a lot of the different testing techniques that they want to use for their patients. So it's really right. easy for them to include us already. That's pretty cool to be able to, you know, have have all of that opportunity available um, in the hospital setting and then as well as the, the professional setting. Um, so if you're a, a 
student, a high school or college age student that's interested in respiratory therapy, what is a like a book that you might think would be beneficial for them to read? Um, so as far as books go, respiratory therapy is still pretty new compared to other professions and we're a smaller profession. So you're not going to find many published by respiratory therapists. I do think there are two kids books that were recently published. Um, as far as just medical literature goes, I think How Doctors Think is a really good book. It's kind of more, um, almost more anecdotal in the way that it's told, but it really applies to all healthcare professionals. You know, kind of the way that we let our relationship with our patients impact us and how we kind of impact them. Um, you know, ways that you can continue to care for your patients. It's a really good book. And it's not, you don't have to have a medical background to read it. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool to be able to have that, you know, just the, the ideas of how doctors think. I mean, just the title itself gives that a pretty cool, uh, you know, path to, to look at and experience. Um, what, besides a phone, calendar, computer, stuff like that, what's a tool that you use as a respiratory therapist uh, or product? that you use on a daily basis that really helps you with your job duties? Uh, I guess a calendar. <laughs> um, I cannot survive without my calendar. Okay. Um, this is going to be a weird answer, I guess, but bear with me, please. Um, yeah. Really high quality pen. Um, when you are going from patient to patient, um, you don't want like ballpoint pens are really nice because you don't have to press down hard on your paper so you can write on the go. Um, and then just like a small notebook. I know that's probably like a gimme answer, but scrubs have really big pockets. Um, just always write down anything that you don't know, anything that comes up, anything you want to remember, just kind of write it down and look it up later. Um, I feel like that I still have my notebook from when I was a student. I've got to find it, but you know, I go back now and you can kind of see how you've grown based on yeah. what it was you were looking up back then, but it is also a really great way to continue growing. So you're never going to know everything. So write it down. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, last year for some, whatever happened, I found a, a little pocket journal thing. And so I just, write down notes as I went through and I'm probably I fell off a little bit in the last couple weeks or so but I have it out it's on my desk I, students will ask a question something I don't know write it down come back to it and same thing kind of just having that being able to look back in time and see you know what what you were looking at or reading or researching um, is pretty cool to be able to see that uh, you know the next year or like you said from when you were in school um, <laughs> Yeah. So this is a, a two part question. Uh, we got three more questions left. So this one kind of came to us from our athletic trainer at the high school. She said, you know, ask, ask a question about what this person um, dislikes and likes. And so the, her answer was, if you dislike blank, then being a athletic trainer is not for you. And her answer was feet. So she said, you know, as an athletic trainer, you're wrapping feet, doing this all the time, touching people's feet, putting ice bags, all that kind of stuff. So as a respiratory therapist, if you dislike blank, then this is not the career path for you. Two things. If you don't like talking to people, um, 
we do a lot of patient education, a lot of patient education. Um, and you have to be patient. <laughs> Everybody learns differently. So if you do not like talking to people and listening to them, not for you. Um, the other thing would be mucus. Yeah. So if you do not like mucus, um, you will not do well as a respiratory therapist. Uh, I will say, you know, I mean, if you ask somebody before they get into the program, everybody's like, ew, mucus is gross. It's different when you're wearing gloves. It's different when you have equipment. You kind of get this, um, a lot of respiratory therapists will eventually, like, report that they, it's really satisfying to, like, suck up stubborn mucus. It kind of makes this, like, slurping noise. It, I know that sounds really gross. <laughs> that sounds really gross. But when you get that stubborn little bit of mucus, it's just oh, so satisfying. That, that, uh, one of our, uh, my <laughs> wife's brother is having a kid, and so we'd send out some stuff for them for their baby shower. And one of them is that little oh, the nose. Suction? Oh, this one, you, it's a straw, and you hook up a piece to their nose, and then you suck the stuff out of it and he's like um that's disgusting i'm not sucking snot and i <laughs> i was like Lord, you absolutely will because i did it too and it's gonna feel good knowing that your kid can breathe and so that's <laughs> exactly what clicked in my head when you said that and that that's just kind of funny so, um, so you know that's actually the old way that they used to do it in the hospitals too if you look back at old manuals you would have to like <laughs> suck out just, you know, you just had to be really careful that you don't, yeah, I know, yeah, that face is how I felt. Uh, we don't do that anymore. We have, we have equipment. I think it would be less satisfying for me if we did it that way. <laughs> I, I think so, too. Um, you know, doing that on, on your own child is completely different than a hospital setting. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, and then, so the second part of that question, then, is if you like blank, then this is the right career path for you. Um, okay, so, I mean, if you like talking to people, if you like education, I think, especially, this will be the way for you, um, and if you like really deep diving into a topic, um, and not just the skill side of it, but the theory behind it, because everything we do is driven by theory, so, you know, you learn about ventilator modes, things like that, but it's not just, like, what does the mode do? It's how does the mode work in the lungs? Why is it effective? So if you like learning about that kind of stuff and then applying that, right? I think respiratory therapy would be for you because it is, it's a lot of information on kind of a narrow field. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the last question I have for you is if you have a professional mantra or quote that you kind of live your work by. Um, I can't say really so much of like a mantra or a quote. I've never been one of those like people that likes to put quotes on the wall or things like that. But I do, I remind myself a lot in the hospital. So I guess maybe this is a mantra um, that I'm never above any task a patient asks of me. I think that sometimes people get really focused on their skill set. And they're like, if a patient asks for water or a blanket or something, they're like, that's not my job. Um, right. And I disagree. That is your job. So, you know, even if you're busy for the day, um, people kind of get focused on the like checklist and they're like, I'm going to go see all my patients. I'm going to do this. This is what, this is exactly what I'm going to do. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people forget that when they're in the hospital, they're completely reliant on you. They want a cup of water. They want a blanket. They want to go to the bathroom. 
they have to ask. That's a tough spot to be in. So I just always remind myself, like, I'm never too good to do whatever it is that they're asking of me. And if I can't do it, I'm going to find somebody who can. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really, I really like that because, you know, like you said, they are your patient. They are there for care and they, they need the help to get whatever it is that they need done. Um, well, thank you so much for spending, you know, 45 minutes with us talking about what you do as a, a instructor at KU and as a respiratory therapist. Um, we look forward to, to getting some kids over there and maybe doing some shadowing eventually. Um, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. And I'm always happy to answer any questions. You have my email address. Um, if anybody, any of the students or anybody has questions, um, I'll always answer. So, would you like to share your uh, the program's uh, Instagram uh, account? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, how do I do that? Should I just say the name? Just say it, and I'll put a link at the bottom. Okay. Um, it's at KUMC Respiratory Care. We post all of the stuff students are doing, all of our activities and things. So, um, I would check it out. I I run it, so I mean, I'm a little biased. I think it's pretty cool, but <laughs> yeah, I would look it up. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.